perfect. Yo, my name is Nicholas, and this is ridiculous. This is the Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast. Joining the show now, publisher of RedRaiderSports.com, sideline analyst for Texas Tech football, color broadcaster for Texas Tech basketball, and he's the co-host for Tech Talk every weekday from 3 to 6 on Double T 97.3. Chris Lovell, thank you for joining the show, sir. Keegan, my man, always a pleasure, sir. Fun time of year. It absolutely is. It's getting very exciting here in the middle of March. Chris, let's start off by talking about the local team, the team that you and I keep a close eye on the team that you're traveling everywhere with, calling their games courtside, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, before we get into their seed and their region, can you just speak a little bit about how special of a season this has been? Uh, I remember speaking with you uh, well before the regular season started, and, and you and I, you know, we, we, we had some expectations, but we definitely didn't feel like it was going to be this kind of year, I think it's fair to say. So, so just talk about how special this year has been. Yeah, I, I think they exceeded everybody's uh, expectations. Maybe not Coach Beards. Um, that's just the way he operates. But, I mean, I, I think even at times he's been pleasantly surprised by what this group has been able to do. And I think, you know, he came into the season talking about consistency. And he's talked a little bit about, you know, I, I don't want last year to define who we are. I don't want it to be like, oh, remember that one year when we went on that Elite Eight run and then, you know, and, and, and where it just kind of stands out alone. You want to put a lot of years together like that. And, I mean, driving out of that uh, parking lot last year in Boston after you lose to Villanova, I just never in my wildest dreams would have thought you're back in the tournament, one, as a 3C, two, and then basically getting getting to go where you wanted to go and you, you're, you're regular season conference champion. I just, you know, right. th- that just seemed like very far-fetched, but – that that's what that's what they've accomplished and it's just because they've been so consistent it it really the consistency has been there especially on the defensive side of the ball they get the three seed they're in the west region and they're taking on a school known as northern kentucky chris i've been seeing you you're researching them a little bit seeing you talk about that on twitter uh what do you know about this team that tech is matched up with on friday yeah, the North, right? Uh, well, okay, so they uh, from the Horizon League. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, uh, they they split their league title. That sounds familiar. And they, uh, if not for a uh, last second shot versus Oakland in the semifinals of their conference tournament, we're not talking about these guys because they would have lost. But uh, they've got their version of uh, Jarrett Culver. His name is Drew McDonald. He's the Player of the Year in that league. He's the all time leading scorer uh, for Northern Kentucky. He's six eight, two fifty. He's a stretch four. And he shoots 40% behind the arc. And so he, he's a guy that Texas Tech will have to contend with. This is a, an up-tempo team. Uh, they're they're going to, you know, they average about 80 points a game. They're going to shoot about 25 threes. And on average, about nine of those go in. And that's what's scary mm-hmm. this time of year when you play these teams that, can, that score it easier or have different ways they can score. Now, this team is largely a, a three-point shooting team, but – because that's a little, a little more margin for error uh, for teams like that to score it. Now, obviously, Texas defense will have something to be said about that. They kind of remind me of uh, uh, probably a less skilled version and not quite as athletic version of like what Iowa State does, if I'm being honest. Interesting. I mean, that's, 
Yeah, yeah you, you don't have a true center necessarily. You've got skill uh, on, on most spots on the floor. They're not great defensively. Uh, they'll make you pay in transition. It just sounds a lot like Iowa State. And, I, again, that, that's not – you know, that's not who they are, but but that's as close as I can get from a Big 12 standpoint with what Texas Tech would have seen. But going against Texas Tech that will have a full week to prepare for them, basically, that, that, that'll that be tough for Northern Kentucky, I would think. That's where Texas Tech will really shine is when they have a lot of time to prepare for an opponent. But this team, man, I mean, they, they, they were a 15 seed two, uh, two years ago. And they gave Kentucky a run for their money. Gave them I mean, all they, they wanted. They, uh, That's right. Yeah, I mean they, that that was a uh, that was a game that I think was an eighteen point game at one point, and they cut it to seven very late. Mm. And I think the Big Blue Nation was getting a little nervous at the time. So, you know, th- these guys have been here before, and uh, it, it, and I will say this too before we move on, Keegan. This is a very young team. There's only two seniors on this team, okay. and two juniors. So just four upperclassmen, and they play about nine, ten guys, but just you know, very few older guys, and that's the very opposite of what Texas Tech is when you've got these these four seniors and Jarrett Culver that's played a ton of minutes already and and, and, and done it uh, on the biggest of stages like he did last year. So, uh, But, yeah, it should be an interesting matchup. won't be easy. You just can't assume anything this time of year. So as, as guys who – we want to see Texas Tech be successful. We, you know, traditionally don't do this. We usually like to, as Coach Beard and the guys will, take it one game at a time. But it being March and us having the brackets at our access, I want us to quickly look at the potential path that Texas Tech may, might travel on uh, in, in this bracket. I've got mine in front of me. Uh, I'm curious to hear uh, who you would have them playing next and and then even if they make it to the to the round of – uh, 16, Sweet 16, and then to the Elite Eight. How you see that path shaping up for them? And I'll I'll tell you who I got. Well, and it, it's it's funny because right, you know, mo- most years you get you get largely you get chalk, you know, and mm-hmm. and then there's a year like last year where UMBC beats Virginia and Illinois Chicago is going to the Final Four and they're playing <laughs> Kansas State without their best player for the right to go to the Final Four and on and on it goes. I mean, and then you're just thinking, what what in the world's going on? So. Uh, for for all the times that we think we kind of know what's up, that's the beauty of this tournament, and and that you, you're just not real sure. I'll be surprised if Buffalo doesn't beat either Arizona State or St. John's. I think Buffalo is really good. I think it'll be a handful uh, for for Texas Tech if they're able to get past Northern Kentucky there on Sunday afternoon. And you know Buffalo that they, they played uh, West Virginia in Morgantown. That was when West Virginia still had Sagaba Kanate, and he was. Yeah, still a part of the team and healthy, and they were uh, largely at full strength back there in, Nor- in December. And then they went to Syracuse and won, and then they've just won all most of their other games too. Then they're, and they're a you know CJ Massenburg, which is interesting. That'll be a storyline on Sunday if that's the matchup. I mean, he's their best player. Well, you know, and you're talking about Buffalo, New York, right? Well, their best player, CJ Massenburg, is from Dallas. He's from South Oak Cliff. Yeah, and so that'll be clearly a, a storyline there. But but I would think uh, you know that, that that would be the matchup, and then you you like to think Texas Tech can get past them. Mm-hmm. But but after that, it's just a total crapshoot because Michigan, you know, Texas Tech played a John Beeline coach team back in uh, 2005 in Albuquerque when he coached uh, West Virginia. Uh, ironically enough, and Kevin Pitsnoggle, I was at that game, and Beeline just you know he just <laughs> does a great job, especially this time of year. And so Michigan will be. You know, they'll be a tall, tall task. Um, and, you know, and I, I, and if I'm, if I'm 
being cute with the bracket, I think you, if you're Gonzaga, boy, you have to be careful about Florida State. Absolutely. That league, yeah. Well, that, how about Sy- is, how about Syracuse right there, Chris? A team that competes yeah, with Duke and Carolina. Yeah, yeah that's get, right. It's kind of yeah, concerning that, that, if I'm Gonzaga. Yeah, that that's uh, you know they're going to see a zone in that second game versus either Baylor or Syracuse. Mm-hmm. What concerns me about Baylor in that game, not not against Syracuse, but what would concern me is if they get past Syracuse playing Gonzaga is Makai Mason. He's got that toe injury, yes. and you're trying to manage his minutes, and it's a quick turnaround. And I just know how Keenan, how tough it was for him. Right. He, he'd always come into the after after a long week of rest. He'd always come into that first game and be fresher and, and okay. But trying to ask you know Makai Mason to do a lot, uh, you know, 48 hours later uh, is is just tough. And so. And Gonzaga, man, they're they're just loaded. I mean, they're they're senior laden. I mean, they're they're loaded. They are obviously one of the very few teams that beat Duke at full strength back there on Thanksgiving weekend back in uh, late 2018. But uh, there'll be a handful. But that, I mean, it's you know, it's funny because I think if if you're the Tech fan, or the Tech follower, or whatever, you look at the region on paper and you say you couldn't have asked for anything more. I mean, they're, they're every, yeah. everything's manageable. The problem is, though, is don't you know that everybody else is saying that too? That's true. Because Augs looking at it and going, "Man, this is pretty manageable. We got pretty lucky here." Michigan's looking at it and going, "Man, we, we caught a break." And so, you know, only one team's going to ultimately catch a break. But I just know how good Michigan has been at this time of year with John Beeline, and they're always almost under the radar, it seems. And I think no different this year, even though they're a two seed. Uh, but a lot of people asleep on them. I think Tech's a popular pick and Zag is a popular pick, but. Uh, don't sleep on the Wolverines. Chris, am I crazy for thinking that Nevada has a good chance of getting past Michigan right there in the round of 32? Because I know you remember just two seasons ago when the Wolfpack made their way to Lubbock. We got a we got a nice first-hand look at Caleb and Cody Martin, and we saw we saw the kind of run those guys pushed forward in the tournament last year. Talented team, not to mention Jordan Caroline. Three guys that can really fill it up and, and have a lot of tournament experience. Am I Am I crazy for thinking Nevada's going to advance there? Not at all. Not at all. And, and uh, in fact, I think that you you could really argue that th- that the Wolfpack are really kind of one of the bigger disappointments in the country as far as the regular season go. I don't yes. know if they got bored. Yes. You know, and they just kind <clears> of. <throat> but but you know that they were in they were in the top ten in the preseason. They were everybody was back from an elite eight team. They had a chance to go to the final four. I mean. Musselman does a good job. Coach Musselman does, and they—they, they, the way they play offense, uh, they, they, there's a lot of NBA principles there. There's a lot of one-on-one like ISO stuff, and they really—he—he he will kind of joystick what they do, and and kind of pick on a matchup that he likes. In other words, if he if he sees something he likes and and can pick on a weaker defender, he'll go at it until you adjust, and then he then here goes the. We'll spin the wheel and find the next matchup we, we want to pick on, and then we'll go with that one. But you're right. I mean, if not for Keenan Evans at the end of that game, yes. uh, what was in late in 2017, I mean, yeah, Texas Tech would have lost that one. But, right. uh, yeah, no, they're, they're a handful. I mean, and they're all they're all back. I just – you would think they're motivated, but, I mean, them making a deep run in this thing would not be surprising at all. But, I mean, it's – I'm sure they're probably disappointed that this is what they ended up with was a seven seed when all is said and done because they, they had a chance to be – much much better than that right and and they were highly touted early in the year ranked really high there in the top 10 and like you said maybe they just got bored maybe they just got complacent and slipped we'll see what kind of energy they bring in march you know i'm looking at this region chris and it looks 
you know, the way I have it, okay, I'm going to break it down for, for you. Of course, Northern Kentucky, then Buffalo. And as I just mentioned, I have Nevada advancing, so it would be Texas Tech versus Nevada. Man, I'm looking at those first three games where you don't have a Power 5 school. We're not playing a Power 5 school in the first three games, and it wouldn't be until that next matchup, whether it's Gonzaga or Florida State or Syracuse, you know, whoever you have. That that looks pretty interesting. It looks like maybe one of the, the most desirable paths for a team. But as you mentioned, there's lots of teams looking at it like that in the West. Yeah, we should we should blame the Pac-12 for that, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they just, I mean, that's no joke. The, the West region, and there's just no uh, no Pac-12 flavor uh, to, to be had. It just doesn't seem like they were awful this year. But it, it is worth mentioning that that would be tricky to – to face, you know, if you do end up playing Nevada out in Anaheim, I mean, you know, I don't know how much of Reno would travel, but worth mentioning that there would probably be some uh, Wolfpack fans uh, certainly in uh, in the Anaheim area that day. So I don't know if that's a road game scenario or, you know, probably far less uh, mm. of, uh, of, of the Michigan folk would, would be there, but if, if that even matters. Texas Tech has traveled well. The fan base has traveled well all year long. Continuing to look at these first-round matchups, Thursday and Fridays are days full of basketball. People will be watching their brackets closely, as you will as well. Do you have any upsets in that in those first couple of days? I know the you know the five twelve is very popular, uh, things like that. Seven tens, eight nines. What are you looking at in your bracket, Chris? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think New Mexico State uh, is, is a team that I would, if I'm Auburn, I'd be very careful about. You know, Auburn played a lot of basketball this weekend and sometimes mm-hmm. a lengthy run in your conference tournament it can backfire on you and you know and it just because like you know for example the red raiders obviously they had a short stay in kansas city it was not good you try to use it as an advantage and maybe it's a it's a benefit when all is said and done but auburn was the was the flip side of that they walk away with a with a trophy um in in the SEC tournament but i mean new mexico state no they can they can score it and that's just one of those teams that they won't be afraid of uh, playing some Bruce Pearl toughened up SEC type team at all. But that would be one that I would uh, I would certainly take a look at. And if the Aggies and, get that one, they go ahead and will most likely play Kansas, who they were a handful for earlier in the year. Correct. Yes, that's absolutely right. And then, I mean, don't don't you have to look at at Murray State if you're looking at twelve and five and John Morant? Oh I mean, yes, you have to. Yeah, I mean that that's probably and that may be too trendy. Yeah, too too much of a, a popular pick, and you may want to stay away from that one. But that's certainly a game that people will be paying attention to, just from the the personnel in that game alone, yes. because he's a he's a likely lottery pick. And then there's Marcus Howard for Marquette, who's you know kind of just as uh, elite when it comes to scoring the ball. The, the The committee knew what they were doing when they made that matchup. That one's going to be all eyes on the TV. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I, I tell you, another one too is Yale. Okay, okay, a 14 seed. L- LSU has got a lot going on uh, with their coach and, you know, one of their star players. And I would just, you know, y- y- Yale is not the kind of disciplined type of team that you want to play if you've got, a, if you're distracted at all. There's no doubt who's the more talented team there and who's got the most upside and all those things. But crazy stuff like this happens. But, LSU's got plenty of reasons to to be distracted heading into this weekend. So uh, if you're if you're you know if you're feeling a little froggy, man, Yale might be a fun one to, to pick. Yale, I like it. Lots of interesting things going on there. Jumping ahead now, I know we're skipping a lot of games, but I want to get your Elite Eight 
and then go ahead and transition into your final four and how how you see this thing coming to a coming to a close. I well, you know, I can't I can't sit here and and call their games and pick against them. So I mean, I got I got to have. I mean, I just. I, I I will say that oh that if if the Red Raiders don't make it to Minneapolis I do think it's it's the Zags I just think that they're they're too good they're too complete I know that in some ways people that they they really jump on board or they just say man they burned me too many times I'm picking anybody but Gonzaga right I mean we we, we see that it's kind of a love hate relationship with with fans because they've been kind of this somewhat Cinderella type for it seems like the last fifteen years but it's a really good program man I mean yeah. they've been the They've been to many Final Fours. They've been to elite, you know, a lot of Elite Eights and Sweet Sixteens. I mean, Mark Few has built a program. It's not just a one-hit wonder or anything like that. So if it's not the Red Raiders, I, I think the, the Zags are in Minneapolis. And I'm, I mean, on, on that same side, I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking you know anybody but Duke in the in the East. I mean, I may look dumb, but I, I'm 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 riding with those guys just because they have. I saw them up close in New York. They have so many ways they can beat you. And what's fascinating to me about this particular Duke team compared to, you know, the last 10 or 15 years under Krzyzewski, usually they just rely so heavily on the three ball. that They, they shoot a ton of threes right. in most years, and and they, they lean on it, and then they get into the second weekend or they get in the second round, and then those, those shots don't go in, and they get ousted, okay? And so, but this year, that's the weakness of this Duke team is the three-point shot. But I think it just speaks to their upside of how many points they're scoring that they don't lean on that, you know, that they do it differently. And we all know what Zion Williamson, but, but I, I'll say this, Trey Jones is the key to their team. Mm. He has got not gotten anywhere near the credit that he deserves. He, he is probably, while Zion is the most explosive and the NBA guy and all those things, Trey Jones is the biggest key to their team. Not Barrett, not Reddish, and not Zion Williamson. Trey Jones keeps that whole thing moving, and I think they're scary good. Um, and I hate to be – chalk there with, with duke but that that's that, that's i'm just not going to be overthinking there i just think they're that good um is michigan and, and state go, the, sorry chris is michigan state the only team that scares you uh that could potentially upset duke yeah uh, i mean that, that, as, as i look at it i'm just trying to talk myself into anybody else over there and, and i say michigan state because it is though you know you know what you get with him he's a toughness guy you know, they'll have the size and the athleticism that can that can hang with Duke. You know, not not that anybody's got the kind of athlete that can necessarily hang with Zion one on one, but I mean they'll they'll have length at the wings and they'll have enough depth in the post and you know and they'll they'll be smart and and you know now they've got some injury issues too, Michigan State. But to me, I mean it's it would be a massive upset if if Duke's not in the Final Four of that region. When you just look at him, mean, I just. Virginia Tech, that would be that. That's probably a, the the game that they'll play in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, you know, obviously Virginia Tech just got one of their guys back, mm-hmm. uh, but and that's an ACC battle and all that. And Virginia Tech did beat Duke. Now that was without Zion, but I just would not expect uh, a similar result there. So I mean, I, I would have Duke in the East. And I, again, I, I hate to go chalk there, but that's just I, again. I, I, sometimes you can overthink this stuff. Sure. And out south, you you got the one seeds: Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Tennessee. Uh, I just I don't trust Virginia. I, I think that if I could listen to anybody's speech uh, before these games on Thursday and Friday, it would be Tony Bennett's. Mm-hmm. I would love to know what he told his team based on what happened last year right. because they've had to live with that, you know, 
skeleton in their closet for a full year. And credit to them for having a great year, being a one seed, being being right back here because that was as embarrassing of a moment as any you know top team would ever have in this tournament. And and you know you don't really like forget about that, right? I mean, you have to know that all this week. I don't know if you mention that a bunch, if you just don't mention it a bunch, if you don't mention it at all, but that, that, that until they get rid of that bad taste in their mouth, regardless of what they did all year long, that that would be the, you know, I'm not saying Gardner Webb's going to beat Virginia or anything, but that's just the one speech I would love to hear because that was borderline miracle, right? I mean, and Absolutely. they did it by 20. I yes. mean, it was a, uh, you know, just uh, hammered them. So I, I just don't trust Virginia though in this setting to go all the way, I think they can make uh, make some noise, but I, I really like Tennessee. Admiral Schofield and those guys, and I just I think Rick Barnes has done a phenomenal job. And this is the best season in Tennessee basketball history. They, they have more wins this year than any time in recent. I mean, in, I guess in their entire program's history. And I just think that that them losing maybe the other day to Auburn probably is a good thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a positive. I like it. And down in the Midwest. Yeah, it's either Carolina or Kentucky for me. That's a toss-up. Really is. Uh, it, it's it's um, it, it's upside, and it's it's uh, the Kentucky talent versus that secondary break of Carolina. Uh, I, I think that in a way, North Carolina is in a really good spot because they've been overshadowed all season long by Duke, and 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 they're kind of if a one seat can be somewhat under the radar, I think they kind of are. I don't worry about them having to play Kansas and Kansas City like some other. I just think they're just too long and too – they're just so much better and deeper than what Kansas is this year. I just don't worry about that like some have um, outside of Quentin Grimes just going crazy and shooting the ball for Kansas like he did versus uh, West Virginia the other night, which he hasn't done all year pretty right. much. But, yeah, I, I would take – I think in a kind of a toss-up, I would probably lean to North Carolina ever so slightly there. So, I guess I have what um, – a three, uh, two ones, and a two seed. So not, not you know, all the way chalk, but I was pretty close. And how do you have that last game, that Monday night in April, how do you have that concluding and who, who sits on top? I say Duke, Tennessee. I say Duke wins it. Duke over Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. And, again, I may look really dumb here. I mean – Oh, it's, it, it's how it goes, me. isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it's just, that's the business yeah. of the bracketology, man. I just – I, I saw how 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 well Texas Tech played that Duke team, and I know how good this Texas Tech team is most nights, right? And I think I think that you played really really well against them, and you just, in in some ways, you just really didn't have a chance to beat them because they're they have such a a, a margin for error on, you know, because they didn't play well that night. I mean, R.J. Barrett was not great that night, and he still had 16, 17 points. Zion Williamson was in foul trouble most of the night. And, and, and not, not a non-factor, uh, but, you know, Jack White w was big that night. I just, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm a little biased because I saw him up close. I just I just think that they have so many pieces and so much margin for error now that they're healthy. Now, Williamson, Williamson dings his foot up, and obviously, again, then, then all bets are off. But at full strength, I just don't know who, who competes with that. Chris, you've been up close and personal with the Big 12 for the last few months. You've seen every team. You've seen every team that's made the tournament. Uh, if you want to just walk us through uh, these matchups for the Big 12 schools, I know we've already talked about Tech. You mentioned Kansas. Uh, Kansas might have a really tough second second round game with Auburn there. How do you see that one going, and how do you see the rest of the Big 12 schools that have made the tournament competing in this thing? 
Yeah, you know, we, we talked about Baylor Syracuse a little bit. I just, I think that, uh, that, that they can. I, I was shocked at how poorly they played in Kansas City. Um, you know, against Iowa State. Iowa State's obviously a, a handful, but um, you know, typically Baylor just, you know, their zone's going to give people problems, and they're just going to out rebound you. I mean, they, they they've just got so many guys, so many like role players, Vital and and. Kegler and all these different guys that just they're just a bunch of dogs man and they just and, and so when Mason hits shots and, and that big kid Gillespie inside who's a a great story in a, in a season full of great stories when he plays well I mean boy they're they're a handful because then they've got you know scores at all levels and really it's a it's a it's a tough matchup to deal with but I I, I think Baylor will beat Syracuse I really do uh, I just worry about Baylor and Makai Mason on that second you know, game with, with Mason really dealing with that toe injury. Uh, as far as Ole Miss and Oklahoma, I just don't trust Oklahoma right now. I don't think they're playing hard. Um, I like their pieces, but they're just, I don't know, there's just not an edge to that team. There's not, you know, Christian James is kind of, he's, he's a he's a high-level scorer, but they just don't have uh, that fire in their belly that I've seen, you know, with some of these other teams. And I just don't know if I trust them and, you know, I mean, Ole Miss, the same group last year and they weren't very good and here here the same group essentially is back this year and they're they're pretty darn good i mean and i think they, they've been through uh the ring of the sec and i think they'll be the hungrier of the team how about that so we'll go with uh we'll go with Ole Miss to beat oklahoma Makes kansas sense. state yeah kansas state i just i think that they if dean wade can give them anything Kansas State can hang around this thing for a, a long while. Without Dean Wade, though, I just don't know if they can last. Right, um, and, and the, re- the report is still up in the air. Is that correct? We're not sure if he's going to be available on that? The word I – now, unless there's some uh, you know setback or whatever, I think that he was close to being uh, able to give them something in Kansas City. We'll see. I think they expect him to at least – that. the word in Kansas City we got was that they would let him – try it okay and so i i think that maybe part of me thinks that we don't that he's just done and they're going to keep it secret but then the the, i I talked to enough people in kansas city that i trusted that they felt like they're just going to be real smart here and then like saving for the real tournament and that he may not be as banged up and and as broken as is uh has been let on so because that's a total difference maker and even if he can't give them much some of that's just mentality, you know. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it, it's how much better everybody feels about things because our, our guys out here on the floor with us kind of deal. So we'll see. But if he if he can give them something, they, they can hang around for a little bit. I keep reading that these ant eaters from UC Irvine can shoot it. Lots of speculation. This might be an upset here, but a lot of it is the injury question marks as well. Yeah, you know, and and this is where we find out though what the Big Twelve is is really like because. If Texas Tech was the best defensive team in the Big Twelve, then Kansas State was the second best. Certainly. I mean, I mean, they 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 just they're disciplined. Uh, Barry Brown just on most nights does not let his team lose, and he's a great mid-range player. I just think now they've got Cartier Jara back uh, from injury uh, after he hurt his wrist, and so even without Dean Wade, I really think that they'll that they should not be on upset alert in that first one. And Iowa State versus Ohio State. Yeah, you know, I mean, Iowa State, they kind of, I guess, I don't know if they're figuring it out at the right time of year. Um, I, I'm not going to pick against Iowa State right now just because, one, they're, they're hot. Okay, they just won three in a row. But much like Texas Tech, they're going to have a lot of folks in Tulsa. I mean, th- that's that's going to be a partisan cyclone crowd. Uh, you know, I don't know if they'll call it. 
Hilton South or, or if they'll give another name to the BOK Center or what they'll call it. But there'll be a lot of Cyclone flavor there in Tulsa. And I think that gives them an edge much, you know, and then obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to figure it out right now too. So just so many scores and they were just an absolute mess chemistry wise, but maybe all that's past them. I don't know. Uh, maybe some of it resurfaces. I don't know, but I just think they're better than Ohio state. They'll have a home court advantage and they're hot. I mean, that, that's, that's a tough trio to, to pass up for me. We've been visiting with Chris level, giving us his bracketology insight. It's been a pleasure, Chris. I wanted to leave you with one other thing before I let you go. And you may have talked about this on Tech Talk, but it might have just released tonight. Cowboys reportedly meeting with Eric Berry tomorrow night. Oh, I, I thought you were going to talk about Kerry Hyder because they uh, they signed and Kerry Hyder. Yeah, they, I, yeah, I saw your tweet. Yeah, but they're yeah, reportedly meeting with Eric Berry tomorrow as well. I I think uh, first of all on Hyder, I love it. I, mean, I think that he's uh, you know the Dallas media will look at it and go, "What's this all about?" I just know he. How, good of a, a human he is and i think that it, you know it's it, from a dallas standpoint it's a low risk deal if he makes the team great if not okay they move on but i think that he he, he provides a lot and provided a lot for the lions from a special team standpoint there's a ton in the community he's just a a, a good a good person and a, and a good football player but you know he's got he's younger and they got him for fairly cheap, so we'll see how that goes. And then Eric Berry, man, I I, I don't th- I think he's uh, you know he's obviously over the illness and the and the the, the cancer stuff and all mm-hmm. that, but I think he's got some wear and tear on on his body from a football injury standpoint. I think though that if I'm Dallas, if the money is right and it's it's a low risk similar to Hyder, I, I think you'd be crazy not to not to do it. What 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 is fascinating to me and what I've been watching is how interested is John Dorsey and Eric Berry. Mm. Good because point. that's who that's who initially got him in Kansas City. That I mean, and, and so, and I think there's still an, there's obviously a need there in uh, in Cleveland for a safety, and because they traded one away when they got uh, when they got you know uh, Odell Beckham, that mm-hmm. was part of the trade. So what what does that what does that look like, and and why are they not interested? So or are they? You know, and I, and that part I don't. I don't follow the the, the minutia of, of everything there, but again, if, if Cleveland's interested, I'm probably interested too. But I just hey, make think, uh, make it a super team, man. Just add another piece, and you're on a good start there. That's right, that's right. So yeah, but I mean, if the money's right, I'm all about Eric Berry. I, they certainly need help there in depth and and all that. And if he, you know, if it's a low risk deal, if he can make the team great, if if, if there's an injury that pops up in training camp or whatever, or, or you go you go draft somebody. Uh, that th- it's an upgrade and a younger, cheaper version, then, then you can do that too, but you've covered yourself. Certainly will be interesting. Nothing has come of it yet, but the Cowboys will meet with him tomorrow. Chris, thank you so much for joining the podcast, sir. And, hey, if you see me around the studio in the next couple of weeks and Nevada happens to get blown out by Michigan, just uh, forget that I mentioned that one. I, I won't forget it at all, <laughs> but I don't blame you at all because uh, those boys can play. Yeah, but that's uh, – the problem is, is everybody can play this time of year, and uh, we, we have to make some picks, right? And then you got to right. live with it. That's right. Chris, always a pleasure, sir. Hope you have a good night. Hey, thanks, Keegan. Appreciate you having me on, my man. Anytime. Always a pleasure to visit with Chris Level. There is nobody in West Texas more wrapped up and engaged with Texas Tech sports and what's going on in our region. He's as in touch with the program as anybody and as good at expressing his insights and thoughts as anybody as well. Big thank you to Chris Lovell for joining the show. 
I'm going to walk through my bracket. I'm going to walk through the matchups in my bracket that are toss-ups, the ones that people don't know what to pick. And look, this could either go, you know, like one of three ways. It could be really awesome. It could be really horrible. Or it could be about 50-50, hoping it'll be really awesome and I can win these bracket challenges as I've done three times in my big family's bracket challenge, our annual family bracket. I've got three championships in that, trying to go for four. I know there's a few people behind me trying to take the lead. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share what I'm thinking as far as this year's bracket goes. Looking at number nine, UCF, versus number eight, VCU. I like VCU. 12-game winning streak coming in. Look, they're ranked top 10 in almost all of the defensive categories. I like VCU in that one. Liberty and Mississippi State. A lot of people are picking Liberty in this one. I'm not going to jump on that 12-5 upset. I'm going to rely on Mississippi State's much tougher field of play. Yes, Liberty beat UCLA. But, listen, that was when UCLA was playing their worst basketball. And Mississippi State is super efficient offensively. Number 10, Minnesota versus number 7, Louisville. Richard Patino taking on his dad's old team, Rick Patino's old team. I, I like Louisville's experience, of course, and, and, of course, just the power of conference. Number 9, Baylor. Number 8, Syracuse. Chris Level and I talked about this one a little bit. Chris likes Baylor. I'm going to lean the other way and go towards Syracuse. Syracuse has beaten Duke. They've, they've played Duke tough when Zion was there, and, and I just like their length. I like their size. Uh, I like their schedule. Baylor doesn't have a whole lot to be confident about right now. Uh, they're, hob they're hobbling into the tournament. They didn't have a good show in the Big 12 tournament. I just don't think they're going to be there mentally. I think Coach Jim Beheim and the Syracuse Orange will advance. Number 12, Murray State. Number 5, Marquette. One of the most fun matchups that we get to watch in the opening rounds. Uh, Jean Morant versus Marcus Howard. I think this one's going to come down to which one of those guys shoots the ball a little bit better. This will absolutely turn into a shooting contest. I like Murray State. I like Morant a little bit more. If you, if you don't know who I'm talking about, tune into this one. Murray State versus Marquette. It's going to be a lot of fun. You will really enjoy watching Morant and Howard. Number 10, Seton Hall. Number 7, Wofford. Look, Wofford is one of the best smaller tier schools in this tournament. They have an NBA guard in Fletcher McGee who will play in the league. This is one of those situations where strength of schedule may play a factor, but I like Wofford to come out confident. They're going to shoot the ball well. It could go either way. This one really is close in my eyes. I'm going to pick Wofford. All right, for all my New Mexico people out there, New Mexico State Aggies, the 12 seed, taking on the red-hot Auburn Tigers, the number five seed. I've heard a lot of people on TV, Mr. Seth Davis, one being one of those guys in particular, Picking New Mexico State to upset Auburn. Uh, Chris Level said, well, look out for this one. The Aggies could come in hot. I'm not going to buy that ticket. I, I'm not going to buy the noise. I like Auburn in this one. I think they are confident. They are going to present a lot of problems for not only the Aggies, but for Kansas in game number two. I like the Auburn Tigers to move on. Number nine, Washington. Number eight, Utah State. Battle of the two best teams from two of the weaker conferences that are in the spotlight this year. Utah State just won the championship of the Mountain West Conference. Uh, I also think they're a little bit more tested this year, too, having to battle with Nevada twice. I like Utah State to advance over nine-seed Washington. Number 10, Iowa. Number seven, Cincinnati. Look, Iowa ranks higher in offensive efficiency. 
while Cincinnati guards well and plays super physical. Uh, in games like this that might be slower paced, I'm going to go with the defensive side of the ball to prevail, which will give me Cincinnati. Not to mention they have Jaron Cumberland, who is the AAC Player of the Year. Here we go, a big one for Big 12 people. UC Irvine, number 13 seed, going against number 4 seed, Kansas State. Kansas State is hobbling into this tournament if we heard level mention all of their injury possibilities and if Dean Wade is playing. I don't love where K-State is at mentally uh, due to these injuries. And look, this UC Irvine Anteater team is a team that will get hot. They will spray you from deep. I, I like this 13 over 4 upset. Look, K-State went to the Elite Eight last year. I don't think they have two runs in two years. UC Irvine. Number nine, Oklahoma. Number eight, Ole Miss. This one is the easiest for me, as it was Chris Level. I don't think Oklahoma presents much of a threat to Ole Miss. I'm not sure Oklahoma should even be in this tournament. Very inconsistent team. Those are all my picks for the toss-up rounds of the first two days. Here's my Elite Eight. I have Duke versus Michigan State. Yes, this is scary for Duke. This will easily be their scariest game thus far. It's unfortunate for Michigan State. They shouldn't have been in this region, in my opinion. This is a team that was almost a one seed. They fell to the two line. They not only fell to the two line, they were rewarded with having to be in the same region as the number one overall team in the tournament, which will present an interesting matchup for us fans. But I have Duke prevailing over Michigan State in the Elite Eight. Yes, I live in Lubbock, Texas, and yes, I have Texas Tech advancing to the Elite Eight. I have them taking on Gonzaga. Look, Gonzaga played a bunch of weaker schools all year long. I understand that Gonzaga beat Duke, but look, Texas Tech almost did the same thing. Texas Tech over Gonzaga going to the Final Four. Coach, can you talk about the importance of, of this time off from last week to what will be around eight days before you guys tip off on Friday? Can you talk about how big that's been for your team? Yeah, I mean, yet to be determined. If we, if we make a run, I think we'll all look back and say, well, that rest was good. If we don't make the run, I'm sure people will be saying that the off days made us rusty. So, you know, I think all coaches want a healthy team and a fresh team, but there's something about momentum in college basketball too. So, um, from a coaching standpoint, you like the extra days to practice, but on the other side of the coin, you like to keep playing too. So, I've never been a big supporter either way. You know, do you want the buy? Do you want to keep playing? I think what you want to do this time of year is be healthy. Virginia versus Tennessee. This is a big dog fight, guys. I like Admiral Schofield a lot. I like Williams a lot. Virginia is very reliant on their defensive strengths, obviously, as they will be. I, I think Tennessee just has more dogs at the end of the day. They got more dudes that can put it in the basket, and it doesn't really matter what your defense are doing. They're with Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. I like Tennessee to advance. And in that final Elite Eight game, I have Kentucky versus North Carolina. Two Blue Bloods meeting at, the, meeting at one of the highest stages. Hey, look, and we've seen Carolina show that they can dictate the style. They can dictate the pace at which the game is played. But the fact of the matter is, is that Kentucky has more talent. They have more size. They have more shooting. They might not have the best point guard on the floor, but in this situation, I'm going to take quantity of talent over the quality of a few individuals. And I think Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats will reach the Final Four. This puts my Final Four matchup as Duke versus Texas Tech. 
I think we see another really interesting game as we did in December when they played in Madison Square Garden. Unfortunately, Duke is probably, for Texas Tech fans, unfortunately, Duke will be too much. The talent on the floor will elevate the Blue Devils over the Red Raiders, and Duke will advance to the national championship. Kentucky versus Tennessee. Round four. See it going either way. I'm going to rock with the Wildcats as you look at this team. And they have guys that can do everything. Anything you want, they have a guy that can do it. They have a guy that can come off the bench and get it done. I know they're young. I know Tennessee is more veteran. I I think this is one of those Kentucky teams that continues to get better at the right time of the year. They're going to be confident coming off of a win against North Carolina. And they're going to find a way to top Tennessee as they did in dramatic fashion a few months ago. Duke versus Kentucky in the national championship. The most talented team in the country. A team that is putting three players potentially in the top five, top six of the NBA draft. Zion Williamson will further his legacy, winning hardware in college, and ride off into the sunlight with a national championship with the Duke Blue Devils. Can't wait for all of this to get started. There's my bracket. Again, a big thank you to Chris Level for joining the show and giving us his opinions on the bracketology. This is the Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast. Find me on Twitter, not Keeg Stew. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I hope everybody has a good one. God bless.